All right. Is it working now? All right. How's it going, everybody? This is cool. Everybody's kind of like close. Um, I'm Rob, and I'm a junior at Florida State, and I hang out at Crusade, too. Um, hey, I have a question for everybody real quick. Was anyone at Stevie B's on Friday night? Chris Pope? Like, seriously, anybody, like, raise your hand if you were. Dang it. Dang it. All right, well, um, I'm the youth pastor out in Crawfordville, Crawfordville United Methodist, and we had a guys' night. And this is uh, where we get all the fellas together, and... Um, we just hang out and do really cool stuff, and we go to, uh, I'm just going to tell the short version, but you all have to go to Chris Pope, like, you have to, right, after everything's over, like, um, Chris Pope has the best story um, you'll ever hear, because we went to Stevie B's, and to make a long story short, this kid, uh, short, this, <laughs> short, man, um, this kid, Mitch, he threw up everywhere inside of Stevie B's. Like, it was crowded. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't there. I missed it out. But Chris Pope was there. So I was just going to see if anybody was there. That would have been really cool. Um, but, so, if you are here last week, um, Ben Kempford taught. And um, one of the things he was talking about, kind of the main point, I walked out for a couple minutes, so hopefully I'm not totally wrong. But he was talking about every time, um, you know, the semester starts off, we're kind of, you know, yay Jesus, and we're all pumped up. Um, You know, a lot of times we can go for a while, and we're really excited about God, but then we always reach this point, and it's always going to happen. It's almost inevitable in our Christian lives from seeing history of, you know, how these things unfold, is we always get to a point um, where things kind of fizzle off, where we're not really excited about God anymore, and we kind of sang that song, All We Need Is You, Um, and I love that song because it's just saying, like, God, you're my only desire, like, all I need is you, that is it, like, I love Psalm 13, verse, sorry, not Psalm, that's where we're going later, but uh, Matthew verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 44, when it talks about the man who found the field, and there's this treasure in the field, and he sees this treasure, and he goes and sells everything so that he can acquire this one field, because that treasure there is the one thing he absolutely has to have. Like, he has to have it. That's, That's it. The bottom line, no matter what, whatever it takes, he has to have this one thing. And so many times, we want that to be our relationship with God. We want that to be how we view God. But a lot of times, and this happens towards the end of the semester after things kind of take a toll on us, but that honestly isn't the case. Maybe you're a freshman and you found out after, um, you know, coming to college that that really isn't the case. In college, pretty much you do what you want and it shows who you're serving. And one of the things that Ben was saying is um, just as we get to these points, um, there, there's a couple things that, that kind of uh, make sure that we don't... Uh, sorry, let me regroup and rethink about what I was talking about. Um, that there's two things that always keep us from God. And there's two reasons why we always fizzle out at the end of the semester. And the first thing is sin. A lot of times, straight up, it's our sin that's keeping us from God. But oftentimes, there's a second thing that keeps us from God. And oftentimes, this thing, it's, it's not necessarily sin. And Ben talked about, you know, there's several things that this could be. One of them that he talked about, he's in youth ministry. 
Um, and he said a lot of his kids really struggle with the past, of what happened in the past, and they can't forgive themselves for the past. And really, they can't move forward spiritually. That they always get stuck in this rut because they're always focused on the past. And it's not necessarily sin that they're in. They're not in sin for um, feeling bad about the past, but it's keeping them from their relationship with God. And I'm so glad he talked about that because um, last semester, I kind of hit, the, hit um, a wall, so to speak, and it was because one of these things. It wasn't necessarily sin, but I had an idea in my head or I had a, a preconceived notion about God or just something was there that wasn't necessarily sin, but it was keeping me from God. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, so I'm so glad he talked about that. Um, but last semester, like, I had to straight up, I went and I had to, like, apologize to my kids almost because my view of God was so small. It was so small. And the thing that stunk was I had no idea that my view of God was small. You see, I read Psalm 8. This is where we're going to be at if you have your Bible and you want to turn there already. And it talks about God's glory being above the heavens, and I honestly thought I had a grasp of what that meant. I thought I was like an astronomy student, and I kind of had already viewed that, and I kind of got that in check. Now I can move on. But really, I had no idea about God's glory. And the cool thing about God, um, and I'm so pumped about this, is a lot of us right now have a really low view of God. And let me explain why that like is a cool thing. Because right now, I too have a really low view of who God is. That my, my conception of what God is, is just a glimpse of who he really is. And it's so cool because as I grow in my relationship with him, a year from now, I'm going to look back on this year and say, oh my gosh, like I really thought that about God. Like that's, that's it. But you see, our view of God, it changes, it, it's everything. And if we have a high view of God, it changes everything. So what I want to do is I want to open us up in prayer. And I'm going to ask specifically that God can reveal to himself his greatness. Because this is something, this God is so big and so, just, he's so awesome that we honestly can't conceive him, that he can't, we can't see God unless he himself reveals himself to us. So I'm going to pray for that and then we'll go ahead and get started. Dear God, I just um, thank you for this time tonight, and I just pray that, God, um, whatever our thoughts are about you right now, God, that um, we just break through those walls and you please just reveal yourself to us in an awesome way, God. I pray that we'd just honestly, um, we wouldn't just sing those words, that all we need is you, God, but I pray that we just see your value and see how valuable you truly are, God. And I pray, God, as we just consider your heavens, the works of your hands, Lord, I pray that you just speak to our hearts in an awesome way, God, and just reveal to us how awesome you are. And I pray that as we leave here, God, that um, just our view of you is just like our minds blow, God. I hope that is what happens, that our jaws are dropped by how awesome you are, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Psalm 8 is where we're going to start off. Um, and like I said, like, what I want to do pretty much right now is just 
explain to you how awesome God is. Um, Because, see, a lot of times we want God to be the most valuable thing to us. We want him to be that one thing that we say, I have to have that. But a lot of times we don't have a high enough view of who he is. Um, Starting off in Psalm 8, it says this, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So the psalmist starts out and he says, How excellent is your name. You have set your glory above the heavens. That when I view the heavens and see what you have created... That that is nothing compared to the glory of God. That he just kind of breathed that out. That it was nothing. And that the heavens attest to how awesome and glorious God is. And I love verse 3 when it says, When I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? So what I want to do is I want to play a video. Um, This is my boy Francis Chan. I like him a lot. And he's going to take us through... Um, through kind of this program, he'll kind of explain what it is. Um, that views takes us through um, from the earth out into the heavens, and it's really awesome. And what I want to do now is just do what it says in verse 3. Consider the heavens um, and consider the works of his hands. So go. Guys, I, I've been absolutely floored the last couple of weeks by what I've, what I've learned about our solar system. In fact, this week, um, our, our IT guy, uh, Jonathan Howard, he had this program, this computer program, explaining, showing what it would look like if we, we slowly pulled away from the earth and took steps away from the earth and what we would see, you know, as we passed the moon, as we passed the sun. And I want to share it with you, okay? I want to show this to you because it's when you consider and think about these things that your, your view of God and your awe of why he would love you it just increases by so much. And so, so look at the screen. I'm going to explain what, what, what you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth. Okay? Just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California. And we're going, to, we're going to rise up for a little bit here. Okay? We're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that Distance. Now you're going to, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. So you're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now... We're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 
15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away, now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go 1,000 light years away. At 1,000 light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further. And you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy. And, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. So I love that video. Um, and I love it because it just, a lot of times I forget how big the universe is. Like I think in my mind, like, um, you know, there's Earth and then there's the planets and then it's like a little bit of space and then that's it. But that is how big the universe is and kind of bring, um, kind of help us understand this and grasp this a little bit more. Um, consider or pretend that this Bible is our Milky Way galaxy. That, um, I want to explain to you how big our galaxy, just our galaxy is. Um, so if you're traveling at the speed of light, that is 186,000 miles per second. So try to grasp that, put that in your minds right now. A light year is traveling at 186,000 miles per second for one whole year. In our galaxy, just the Milky Way galaxy, from end to end, is 100,000 light years big. That, that's how long it will take you. If you're traveling 186,000 miles per second, it will take you 100,000 years to reach from one end to the other of our galaxy. And right there, he kind of explains how that where he stopped is where, our, um, is where our telescopes stop. Actually, at that point, too, is where our knowledge of physics isn't great enough to see what's on the other end of that. That they believe that at that point is where time and space began. So as he kind of went all the way out, it's crazy because there... We just looked at how big our galaxy, and our galaxy is kind of a big galaxy, but there's 350 billion galaxies that we know of as of now. That that's how vast it is. And this is what I love, because God in Psalm 8 says, 
My glory is above that. He says, you're kind of astounded and kind of amazed at what I made, but wait till you see me, because my glory is so much greater than that. See, that just blows my mind. And going back to Psalm 8, see, this is my question, too. In verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. You see, God in heaven right now is in heaven completely glorified by himself. That the heavens and creation glorify him all on their own. And throughout this book, throughout history, we're all people that have turned our backs on God. That want nothing to do with God. And it blows my mind. I can't, I'm going to say that a lot because God blows my mind. Like, I can't understand why a God like that would ever want to hang out with me. Why a God like that would ever want to be in my presence, let alone take my sins on his back. I can't understand that. Psalm 19 talks about further how the universe, how creation, it has something to say. That it speaks of God and shows of his characteristic. Dang. When I see that, like, honestly, what else matters? Like, God is so huge. Um, But I think I said in the beginning that um, a high view of God and just a realization of his glory, it changes everything. And I'm turning now to Philippians 2, if you have a Bible. Um, Turn there. And for me, um, this is how, this is why it changes everything. Um, because I think for a lot of us, we kind of grasp maybe that God is big and that God is huge, and we kind of, you know, we went to Sunday school, we understand that. Um, But I think a lot of times we think that that's just the end of it, that God is this mean God kind of up in heaven, just throwing lightning bolts at us, and the only thing that he wants to show us is his power um, and his might. But what I love about God is that the number one characteristic he wanted to show us is his love. That if the one thing he wanted to show us was his power, then honestly we'd be all wiped out. Like, we wouldn't be here. We're sinful. But God being that huge, that his glory is above the heavens. In Ezekiel, when it talks about Ezekiel having this vision and going before the throne of God, he tries to explain God and... um, it's really funny because he explains God, the top of, of the glory of God, as being this, you know, sapphire kind of thing on fire. And then he goes on to explain what the lower half would be, and he kind of uses the same word. He's like, well, that's kind of like fire, too, and maybe a rainbow or something. And just time after time, when we see people going before the throne of God, the only thing that they can do is just sit and worship him kneel down before him. And Ezekiel is just dumbfounded as he stands before the glory of God. He's like, well, this is fire, and I don't know, maybe fire. I don't, I don't even know. And so many times we kind of get and we kind of grasp that God is big and God is huge. But that's only part of it. As we read in Philippians 2. And um, I'm going to read verses 5 through... Um, Verses 8. But really the, the key to understanding this is found in verses 3 and 4. Because see, Paul, he kind of exhibit he shows us 
um, kind of the state of mind that we need to have, just something that we need to keep in mind. And then with that, he gives four examples of people that have done this. So I want to start in verses 3 and 4, because this is the key to understanding this. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not out not for only his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So Paul, um, he kind of brings out this point that we need to consider others better than ourselves. And this, this, um, this concept is really hard, and I'll give you an example. Um, like I said, um, at youth we have these things called guys' night. Guys' night, they're pretty awesome. And one of these games we like to play at guys' night with the guys is this thing called Monster Ball. Sigma, do you guys know Monster Ball yet? Man, we'll show you Monster Ball later. You guys, it's like the most manly game you've like ever played in your life, so I figured that uh, Sigma would know it. But pretty much you get in a pool, and there's a ball. You play on the shallow end of the pool. And the, the object of the game, you have two teams. The object of the game is to get the ball to the other side and put it on the top um, of the concrete and then count to three. And that's the only rule. That's it. It's like rugby within the pool, and it's awesome. And as we were uh, kind of going up to this guy's night, the, the high school guys kind of um, they like to talk a lot of trash. Um, they think they're really awesome, and they thought they could take down the college leaders in a game of monster ball. And for me, it was really hard to consider myself or consider them better than myself because I know that that's not true. Like, that's straight up not true, that we are better than them. We have man strength. We have guts. Like, this is why, like, you can never beat your father in a fight because he has man strength. And we have this over them. Um, and it was really hard, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it was really hard to consider them better than myself because I knew that we were going to own them at Monster Ball. And we couldn't play them because um, it was really cold out, but um, give them some extra time to train and extra time to, um, you know, talk some trash. But really, I'm struggling with this because I know that they are not better than us. And it's hard to consider them better than myself. Um, And I think this kind of applies just to any area of your life. Like, if you're really good at math, it's really hard to consider somebody better than yourself at math because it's just like, that is not true. I'm better than them at math. Um, I cannot consider them better in math because it's not true. So this word consider doesn't have a lot to do with reality, the way things really are. You know, Paul is saying, you know what, you are better at Monster Ball than these kids. Like, that is a fact. But what I want you to do is put that aside. Forget about that because you need to consider them better than yourselves. And you see, as we see the glory of God and how awesome he is, actually, let me read on because this will, uh, we'll kind of get into this, kind of getting ahead of myself. Verse 5 says this, um, and as we see this characteristic of, of forgetting about the way things really are and who's better and who's not, but considering somebody better than yourself, Jesus did this to perfection. This is what he did. And in verse 5 it says this, Let this be mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man. 
He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, this is what I love so much about God. And this is why seeing how awesome and powerful he is is so awesome. Because God saw the reality of it. Jesus was that. His glory was above that. That he says, you know what, you see what I made, wait till you see me. His glory is so big. But on the cross, and this is what I love about God, on the cross, he put away reality, what it really was. He said, you know what, I am so much better than these people. Like, honestly, I shouldn't even be talking to these people. I shouldn't have any relationship at all with these people. Because I am so holy and they are so not. Like, I love watching those videos because it just puts me in my place that I'm this little person on this little earth and God is the God of the universe, that that is the reality of it. But the coolest thing is that Jesus Christ on the cross considered us better than him. That that's what happened. That he said, you know what, this is the way things are, that I am God in heaven. Like, I am God. But I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to stoop lower than these people, and I'm going to take their punishment. I'm going to consider them better than myself. You see, that wasn't the reality. God is so much greater than us. He is so much more glorious than we are. But for that moment, when he was on the cross, he considered us better than himself. Matthew 13, verse 44, we were talking about how so many times we strive And we try to make God our treasure, that thing we have to have, that thing that we have to sell everything. And just, you know, God's that treasure in that field. And, you know, so many times we strive and we try to make that happen. But what we have to realize is before we ever had that thought in our head that God made us his treasure, that he was up in heaven and he said, you people are the one thing that I have to have. I have to have you. He considered us better than himself. That blows my mind, and that's why it's so important to have a high view of God. Because when we have a high view of who God is, then it just makes absolutely no sense that he loves us the way that he does. Makes absolutely no sense. You know, the scripture we were just looking at said that he didn't consider it robbery, you know, to be equal with God. I like what the, um, the NIV says. I'm sorry, I ter- tore a sheet out of a Bible. That's probably a sin. Um, but I didn't have, yeah, don't judge me. Um, but it said that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. You see, Jesus was God. But he said, you know what? I'm going to lay that aside, and I'm not going to you know, consider that something to be grasped, that glory, but I'm going to stoop down, and I'm going to just take these people's punishment and consider them better than myself. You see, when we see the power and the awesomeness of God and His glory, when we have a high view of God, it changes everything because our view of His love is that much better. That we just sit back and say, whoa, why would you even, why would you love me? It makes no sense. 
People talk about things just not making sense. You know, why, you know, why is there evil? Why is, did this happen? Why did that happen? The thing that makes the least bit of sense to me is why would God love me? Honestly, like if I'm just honest, like if he's that God in heaven, completely glorified on his own by himself, why would he love me? I don't know. But the cool thing is that he does, that he considered me better than himself on the cross, which I can't I can't comprehend that. Um, I like to play music a lot and uh, I play bass. So whenever I'm listening to something, I usually kind of pick out the rhythm section first. And it, it's kind of a good thing because I, I get to, you know, appreciate, you know, the kind of stuff I like, the instruments I like. But it's a really bad thing also because a lot of times I, I end up only getting part of the song, kind of part of the equation, part of what, you know, the, the artist or the um, composer wanted me to understand or get. You know, I just kind of get that driving low-end kind of thing. And I, I know the drum beat, but if you ask me the lyrics, I really don't know. If you ask me um, what kind of delay he was using on top of it, Patrick talk, um, I really don't know. Like, I honestly don't care sometimes. Um, but I just want to know if it grooves. So um, a lot of times, kind of spiritually, we do this. And it, it would be the same if I sat back and kind of just listened to the guitar, the gu- guitar Dang, I need to take a sip of water. And not the rhythm section. We kind of only get part of the equation, part of what's going on. And so many times spiritually, we just only get part of the equation. Kind of get only part of the song and what God wants to convey to us. You see, for some of us, we get that rhythm section, that God is powerful, that he's glorious, that he's awesome. But we really don't get that high end, uh, um, you know, the guitars, the singing. We really don't understand the sacrifice for us. And maybe sometimes we re- we're a Christian, we do understand the sacrifice. But honestly, our view of God isn't that big. So then, because of that, it's not really powerful. It's like, yeah, you know, God, he was, you know, we think of like a really good human being in our mind. And we're like, all right, that's kind of like God times ten. But we really don't grasp who God really is. So then it's kind of weak. We don't get the whole picture. But having a high view of God changes everything. Because when we see that that rhythm section, that driving, powerful, just power and glory of God, when we see that and then we add that to his sacrifice, kind of the guitars and the piano, when you kind of add that together, then we kind of get the full um, kind of view of God's kind of song towards us. And when we honestly, when we put together how powerful God is, that we don't deserve anything from God, honestly. And if we put together what he did for us, then we have such a huge view of his love. And it just blows our minds that God would love us in that way, that intimately, that passionately, that he looks at us and says, you are the people, you are the one thing that I have to have. I have to have you. And God showed that on the cross, that he had to have a relationship with us. So kind of closing out, um, I wanted to do worship at the end um, for a reason. We only did one song, but I'm going to ask the band, or they're going to come back up. It's really irrelevant if I ask them. They're going to come up anyway. Um, But they're going to come up because, uh, you know, Psalm 8, it starts and ends in the same way. And it says this. 
O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Like, honestly, when I see the glory of God, when I see that his, his glory is above the heavens, that it's something I will never grasp or attain, when I get that rhythm section that I add, the guitars, that high end, the melody, of how he sacrificed for me, in that he just gave everything for me. The only thing, the only thing I can do is just worship him. That that's the only thing I want to do. Like, honestly, what is more important than God? Like, it's all about him. He's huge. So I want to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. Um, dear God, I just thank you so much for how great you are. Um, I just thank you for how glorious you are, God. And I pray that we begin to grasp that. I pray that, um, that our view of you grows, Lord, that it's not something that's stagnant. And I pray that during this time we can just um, worship you, God, and just keep in mind what kind of God you are, that your, your glory is so, so overwhelming, but you also just died on the cross for us and sacrificed for us. That blows my mind. I just thank you so much for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen.